Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the Daily Jungle. What a Monday we're having. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady and the Patriots are waiting for them. Jason Lock and Fork came on the show to break down both championship games. Eagles DB and hero Patrick Robinson broke down his game-changing pick six. And last but not least, Bleacher Report's Tom Haberstroh came on to talk hoops and the ALS Pepper Challenge, which I took, crushing a habanero and nearly melting my face in the process. Alvin, roll it. Let's talk about the AFC title game first. That's why they're the Patriots and nobody else is, or ever will be, because Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will find a way to win when they should not be able to win. They will find a way to win when their best weapon has a sliced hand, and their second best weapon is in concussion protocol. They'll find a way to win when they can't move the ball, when they spend nearly the entire day looking like it's not their day, when virtually nothing is working, not even their gimmick plays. Now, let's be really honest, all right? Be very honest and shoot straight. Look in the mirror. How many of you Patriot haters were watching that and thinking, good, good, they're going to get theirs. They're getting their asses handed to them, and it's not by Pittsburgh either. It's by Jacksonville and Blake Bortles. Bortles. How many of you were counting down the hours to 9 a.m. Pacific this morning so you could come in and roast these guys on this show? How many of you? I'm guessing all of you. Listen, nothing's ever going to top coming back from down 25 in the Super Bowl because it's coming back from down 25 in the Super Bowl. But this was close. This was close. Down 10 in the fourth quarter without Brady's best weapon on offense and without Julian Edelman, who's been out the entire year and doing it against a nasty physical defense that was flying to the football. So what happens? Brady goes to work. Brady goes to work, and he goes to work with Danny Amendola. Hits him for 21 yards on third and 18 to keep hope alive with less than 11 minutes left in that game. Third down and 18 for the Patriots. Door set to the right along with Allen. Two receivers left. Shotgun snap to Brady. A twist up front. Brady shuffles left. Throws down the middle and a catch Got is it. made at the 46-yard line by Amendola. Whew. Danny fights for the football and takes it away from the safety to Sean Gibson. What a throw by Brady. Playoff. And sliding left. Playoff Dola right there. Brady, Brady machine guns this one and almost a side arc throw. Just a rocket right down the gut. Thanks to Pat's radio. We'll get back to how big that was. And that was huge. But then he hits him again for nine yards to cap off that drive. And they get within a field goal with 8.44 left. Meantime, the Pats defense finally shows up. And it was James Harrison. James Harrison, who is coming up huge. Because, of course he was. Because, of course, Bill Belichick would bring in somebody who another team didn't want and then find a way to have success with him. And he did. So New England's defense forces a punt. Amendola sets up the drive with a big return, and then Tom Brady hits Amendola for this absurd catch in the back of the end zone to give the Pats a 24-20 lead. Amendola and Hogan to the right. Allen in motion to the right. White the single back with Brady up under center. He takes the snap. He play fakes Dwight. He stands in the end zone. He looks down the middle. He fires, and the ball is caught in the back of the end zone by Danny. It's a catch. Amendola! Touchdown! Patriots! It's a catch. He made the grab just inside the end line, and New England has taken the lead. Amendola, Danny Amendola, is there anything this cat did not do yesterday? Isn't this the same Amendola that everybody wanted to bury after the hood brought him in to replace Wes Welker? 
you know, remember, worst case scenario, he couldn't hold Welker's jock. Best case, he was a poor man's Welker who could never stay healthy and would never be the player Wes Welker was. Yeah, who's saying that now? Nobody. Because they're not playing in the Super Bowl this year without Amendola. Ask Belichick. He all but called this guy the best football player he's ever seen after the game. And you know what? I would too. I would also, if he just bailed my ass out, then again, this is what the Patriots do and what nobody else does. And that's why you can use every cliche in the book when you talk about them. You can say it's a 60-minute game or they find ways to win in all three facets of the game, offense, defense, special teams, or that they never blink. I mean, whatever tired cliche you want to use, it all applies. And the truth is, the truth is, Jacksonville did blink. Jacksonville. And here's something I never thought that I would ever say in my life. Jacksonville did not trust Blake Bortles enough. They got conservative. My man had been playing out of his mind. And then they were looking to simply bleed clock. And even then, they still nearly won that game. He still nearly won that game with that incredible throw on 4th and 14 on the run. An absolutely perfect pass that's a TD, if not for Stephon Gilmore. Finally making the play that his teammates and coaches and fans have been waiting for all year long. Fact is, that guy had been a disappointment. Folks were coming for him, but all was forgiven after that one play. If Gilmore doesn't break that play up and pay for himself... And his entire season. In that one play, we're seeing a replay of that completion for the rest of time. I mean, that was David Tyree or Mario Manningham. The moment that that game needed. That was the moment that you need if you're going to beat the Patriots in a game like that. And Bortles. Blake Bortles came this close to doing it. Bortles. Which is why I tweeted simply after the game. Blake Bortles played his ass off. Because he did. Now, the other point, if you want to complain about the officiating or that the game is rigged for the Pats, you can take that someplace else. Seriously, take that someplace else. Yes, there were more penalties called on Jacksonville than New England, but the refs did not lose that game for Jayville. Jacksonville lost that game for Jacksonville. And I'm not here to crush the Jacks. They played their guts out. And the fact that they went from three wins last season to a play from the Super Bowl is incredible. Even in a league where teams routinely go from good to bad and bad to good in a blink of an eye, that turnaround from three wins to that is nothing short of remarkable. But this is what happens to nearly everybody in that same situation. If you do not choke the Pats out when you have your chance, the Pats choke you out. That's why they're going to their eighth Super Bowl this century. That's why they're looking at winning their sixth ring. That's not officiating. That's not rigged. That's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And that's why they're the Patriots and you're not. Hate them all you want. And I know a lot of you do. I know a lot of you could not wait until nine Pacific to come in and kill these guys. But you better kill them while you have the chance. You better choke them out while you can. 1-800-636-8686. And again, I don't want to hear how the game is rigged. I don't want to hear that there's no way the powers that be were going to have a Bortles and Nick Foles Super Bowl, and that's why that went down. My man Jason Lockin for a JLC. It was great to see you yesterday. How was your championship game Sunday? Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. And and trust me, I will be adding that a note to my resume. I'm quite proud of that accomplishment. Love it. And uh, I plan to uphold the high standards of the jungle moving forward and not let you down. 
Um, yeah, it was good. You know, obviously our game on CBS turned out to be the, the, the only competitive game of the day, but man, what Nick Foles did, I mean, you could look through a long period of time, any round of the playoffs, you're not going to find too many better performances than that, especially considering the caliber of defense he was facing, at least the caliber of defense, the Vikings had played most of the year and particularly at home in that dome. I mean, that was big boy stuff. And uh, it, it adds a little more intrigue to this Super Bowl matchup. Now. In fact, that was big boy stuff. So, Jason, how do you explain that? We're talking about a guy that was lights out a few years ago, bounces around a little bit as a backup quarterback, and this guy delivers that kind of performance against a defense like that. I mean, how do you explain that? You know, you, you compare it to how he stumbled down the stretch, and it looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders, and he was really kind of feeling it, and he was tight, and he's throwing balls into the ground, and, you know, his shoulders are kind of hunched down. I don't know if it was just a matter of him saying, look, I don't give a bleep anymore or somebody talked to him, you know, or, or, or someone just kind of helped his psyche reach a point where he's like, I, I've got to play a little more loose. And I think a lot of it, a lot of credit goes to Doug Peterson and his staff for figuring out what Foles really like to do in that offense. Remember, when this change first happened, they, all they kept saying is we're not going to change a thing about our offense. Well, Foles is not Wentz, and I think they've evolved as play callers to suit him a little bit more. I think his confidence grew exponentially in the last couple of weeks, and he appeared to be a guy who, who had kind of reached a point where, like, if I'm going to go down, let me go down guns a-blazing, not, you know, throwing three-yard little hitches and, and throwing balls into the dirt and balls into the third row, you know, of the upper deck. And, I mean, the throw to Alshon Jeffrey, the throw to Torrey Smith, when you're, when you're facing a defense like that and you've got multiple scoring plays over 40 yards, you're living right. Clones, give me one moment so I can talk to you about America's Best Racing. America's Best Racing, the website and the app. Their app is updated, better, faster, and offering new prizes, including the grand prize of $1 million. It's free. It's easy to download and free to play. You don't even have to leave home. Play in your own living room, your car, your office, wherever you are. Build a winning streak and win prizes. Pick 20 consecutive winners and you can win $1 million. It's called Stay Lucky. Search and download it today. That's America's Best Racing. Now it's back to our daily jungle. He's got weapons. He made use of them. Jason Lockett Ford joining us, an NFL insider for CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. JLC, let me bounce back to the AFC Championship game. You made it very clear yesterday that Tom Brady's hand was not going to be an issue. From what you saw yesterday, did you get the sense that it impacted him or the game at all? No, I mean, I think they probably went shotgun a little more than they might have otherwise and probably didn't do quite as much. Uh, trying to set a tempo with him under center, handing off. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't think so. I mean, I, I was told emphatically by someone there who has never led me wrong over the years that we're not changing our schematics. We're not changing our game plan. We're not changing our play calling because of this. It is a non-issue, period, quote-unquote, for the Patriots as an offensive unit. Now, it was something of an issue for Brady dealing with some discomfort. Will he wear a glove? Won't he wear a glove? But once he got warmed up and once he started chucking the ball around, he was more or less Tom Brady. It's not like balls were sailing all over the place. He, he orchestrated, without a run game, a 10-point comeback against what people said is a pretty good defense, and he did it without Gronk and Edelman. I mean, go back to the Miami game, Jim, right? When some people thought, oh, wait, maybe now Brady's hitting a wall. And wait a minute, he's popped up on the the uh, injury list a few weeks with a hamstring, maybe he's not right. 
Well, he didn't have Gronk and he didn't have Edelman in that game against Miami and they got blown out. He didn't have them in this game against a far superior defense with everything on the line and he went out and won the fourth quarter. He's Tom bleeping Brady. Exactly. That's what he does. That's what they do. And he did it without Gronk. Now, what about Gronk? You know, so you've got Brady and the reports, Jason, that he's going to get his stitches out within the next few days. Number one, is that what you're hearing? And in terms of their availability for the Super Bowl, we've got two weeks, of course. How do you think the next two weeks play out for both Brady and Gronk physically? Yeah, I mean, Brady, look, if he was able to play that well in that game, you add two weeks of, of sort of recovery time and and yeah, the stitches coming out, I don't think it's an issue for him at all. It really wasn't that really wasn't an issue for him even Sunday. And again, I'm not saying it wasn't a significant injury, but he clearly overcame it. Uh, Gronk, you know, I, I hate to speculate about, you know, brain bruises because that's what a concussion is. Um, look, two weeks, we see a lot of guys return in that time span from these injuries, but everybody's brain's different. Everybody's concussion history is different and you know we'll just have to see obviously this week i wouldn't expect them to even try to make have him practice or whatever other than you know light walkthroughs or what have you you know there's not a whole lot that has to be done in that regard but assuming he passes through the protocol assuming his baselines get to where they need to be and assuming once he's cleared for limited practice he has no setbacks no nausea no no balance issues no headaches no memory um loss, the things that are associated with, with post-concussion symptoms, then, yeah, he's going to play in that game. And, and look, in all likelihood, he will play in that game. But you, you want to couch things a certain way. And, again, we're talking about a brain here. So um, if he does exhibit those symptoms, they'll have to act accordingly. Jason Lockin for joining us. So when you look at Jacksonville, Jason, they – I mean, they were a play away. Blake Bortles was a play away. He showed up in a fierce environment, yeah. had an amazing game. So my question to you is, can they expect that kind of play from him consistently? And, I mean, dare I say it, but have they found their franchise quarterback? I'm not going to go quite that far because if they really in their heart of hearts as a coaching staff thought he was their franchise quarterback, then I think they're letting him do a little more, even though field position was working against them, and even though they were trying to bleed a clock. And let's face it. People talk about Fournette and that run offense like it's otherworldly. What was it 24 carries for 77 yards? He started off fast, which he's done in other games. Wasn't quite the same in the second quarter. Tends to get a little beat up and dinged up. And they were stacking the box, and Jacksonville still went uber conservative. You go back to 55 seconds left and two timeouts. If you think that's a franchise quarterback, you're stealing that possession. You're getting points. You're coming back, and you're going for the throat. The opposite. They waved the white flag. They went out pretty meekly to start the second half. Um, the defense gives up third and 18 and a few big plays. And next thing you know, the whole thing is snowballed. I mean, even when the defense creates good field position off that turnover, they quickly go three and out, and they weren't taking a bunch of shots downfield. Um, so, yeah, he's still going to be there. They're paying him a lot of money. They've paid him a lot of money. The owners invested in him. They want it to work. Uh, but they didn't seem to think that he could even do what Nick Foles did a few hours later. And had he done that, they win the game. He's not the reason they lost. That's on their defense. But they weren't having him make the big boy decisions and big boy throws that Foles was. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I said the same thing myself right before he came on. It's so funny. I never thought that I would say it. But turn this guy loose. Let this guy be more aggressive. Give him more responsibility. Why are you not trusting Blake Bortles? Because you turn conservative and you try and spin clock and it comes back to bite you. Now, Jason, we've got two long weeks ahead. But let me get your early thoughts about that matchup, New England and Philadelphia. What are your early thoughts? I think it's probably a fairly close game. You look at the history of the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and those games are usually nip and tuck. Whether they win or lose, 
You know, rarely are they steamrolling somebody for four quarters. You know, sometimes it takes them a little time to get into the game, figure the opponent out, and obviously where their true mastery evolves is coming out of halftime and the changes they make. They can turn it into two different games in the same game, and that generally benefits them. I don't think Tom Brady gets stopped now. I I, I just don't. Um, This is a game that, to me, the Patriots win the fourth quarter and win the game, although there's a lot of elements in this Eagles team they do some of the things that, you know, the Giants could do in those matchups. Get pass rush with four. Have a deep rotation along the D-line. Don't can sit back and play coverage and still affect the quarterback. Um, and we'll see how healthy the Patriots are all around. We talked about Gronk, but, you know, do, does Mitchell play in this game? And is he another deep threat? Um, you know, two weeks for them to scheme is, is a long, long time. And I'm sure Josh McDaniels will have a few tricks up his sleeve. And then Nick Foles on the biggest of big stages, you know, Look, if he plays anything close to how he did last night, the Eagles are good. But, you know, let's say he has to chase that game in the in the second quarter, in the third quarter. Do problems arise? This guy was amazing last night. I would never take anything from him, but I'm skeptical that he can do that twice in a row back-to-back. Before I let you go, how about a quick news item? How close are the Arizona Cardinals to naming a new head coach, and who do you expect that to be? It's effectively done. Steve Wilkes will be their new head coach. They've notified uh, some people with the Carolina Panthers, that's that's their intention. I'm told contracts are drawn up. I'm not positive they're signed yet, but Wilkes is very far down the line in terms of what staff he's going to bring with him. Al Holcomb, linebackers coach for the Panthers, I'm told, will be his defensive coordinator. There'll be several people in the mix for offensive coordinator, but it, it will be Steve Wilkes. They could have hired him two weeks ago. They went through their process, decided ultimately after spending time with him in Arizona last week that he's their guy, no second interview there for Brian Flores, the Patriots linebacker coach, which means he's next man up in uh, New England. He'll replace Matt Patricia as the Pats DC when Patricia goes to Detroit. We haven't talked too much about the Vikings, specifically Viking fan. Viking fan. Let me give you some good news because I know you need some. A foot of snow is coming. Blizzard conditions and wind gusts as high as 35 miles per hour. That's your good news. Because after that, something worse is headed to town. Something worse than that storm. Patriots fans and half of Philadelphia coming to your town to eat your food, drink your liquor, and watch their teams play in a Super Bowl that looked destined to be a Minnesota home game. That's got to sting. A seven-point lead, a perfect start, and then 38 straight. Five minutes of greatness chased by 55 minutes of pain and devastation. So very, very Vikings of you, unfortunately. I mean, all that pity and sorrow, which is dedicated to Bills fans and Browns fans. You know what? It's time to chip off a seat and pour a stiff one for the nation of Skull. That is six straight NFC title games without a Super Bowl appearance. And that's after four Super Bowl losses. 40-plus years of getting close enough to taste it, only to have it ripped away before even having a chance to play for the Lombardi. Because a two-week party in Minneapolis just got canceled by Nick Foles. A season of destiny just went up in smoke. And this time, it was Case Keenum who came crashing back to earth. Case Keenum picked a terrible time to remember that he was Case Keenum. But even you had to know that was going to happen, right, Viking fan? Because it always does. Before that, it was the gunslinger himself. 
going into New Orleans and taking an absolute beating physically and then giving it away in the end. Why do you even ponder passing? And before that, it was walking into Giant Stadium in 2001 and walking out 41 donut. Before that, it was the 15-1 and Vikings, the most exciting offense ever assembled to that point, taking a knee and playing for overtime where the Falcons ripped their hearts out. It was Gary Anderson picking a hell of a time to miss his first field goal and the Dirty Birds winning as two touchdown underdogs. I mean, I could go on and on, but I think that Viking fans just polar plunged into Lake Minnetonka. Yesterday, it was 60 minutes of football against Nick Foles with the number one defense in the NFL and a chance to get the first home field advantage in the Super Bowl ever. And then it was a bottle to the head and a steel-toed boot to the mouth and a ride to the hospital in concussion protocol as the Vikings were picking their chiclets out of the sod in the link before they even know what hit them. Viking fan, I would tell you that there are brighter days ahead. But I'm not sure you're ready to hear that just yet. But of all the interesting off-seasons ahead of all teams, Minnesota's got to be one of the more intriguing ones. As good as Keenum was all year long, he picked a hell of a game to turn back into Case Keenum, as I mentioned. And a guy who was in line to have that crazy, crazy payday, he's still going to be stacking a lot more than the $2 million he played for this year. But that game right there, how many millions of dollars do you think he just cost himself? I mean, how many? Ten? More? Do you really think that Minnesota can put a franchise tag on him after that game? Guarantee him $20 million plus when he rolled into Philly and tied a ribbon on the football and basically started tour guiding the Eagles defense through the best bars and restaurants the Twin Cities had to offer. And I'm not saying it was only him because it wasn't. It was Minneapolis. Say Marcus Williams never made that or made that tackle. Say he made that play. The Vikings D that was supposed to be Super Bowl worthy got lit up for 24 in the second half by Drew Brees and then chased that by giving up 38 to Philly, getting shredded by Nick Foles. 26 to 33, 352, three touchdowns, and a perfect QBR. A ridiculous performance that Minnesota had no answer for. And these guys even called off the dogs. So are good days ahead? Probably. The defense will get right. Mike Zimmer's way too good of a coach not to fix things. The offense has weapons. Dalvin Cook will be back after a knee injury. Adam Thielen's the real deal. Stephon Diggs, along with Thielen, might be the most underrated one-two punch at receiver in football. Kyle Rudolph is a red zone monster. I mean, lots to like. But whoever Minnesota decides to hand the offense over a quarterback or a two is going to have some weapons. But who's their quarterback? Is it Keenum? Is it Teddy Bridgewater? Is it Sam Bradford? Hell, maybe they kick the tires on a trade for Alex Smith. Whoever it is, they'll have weapons, but who's it going to be? And in the meantime, put all that aside for a minute. It doesn't feel very good right now, does it? From playing a Super Bowl at home. Not when you've got a blizzard bearing down on you. And not when you've got two weeks to wait for a party that you thought you'd be throwing for yourself only to find out you're not even on the invite list. And the team that just bludgeoned you is. And here come all the Patriot fans also. That is tough, Viking fan. I'm not trying to pile on, but that was tough. Skull Vikings. First drink is on me. Of course, it'll be milk. Patrick Robinson is my guest. Patrick, great to have you on. How are you? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. Victory Monday. The day after a win is always great, but I got to ask, how was it waking up this morning as NFC champion and knowing that you are on your way to the Super Bowl? It felt good, man. It felt good. Um, you know, to come from where we came from, you know, doing the things that we did all year, you know, and finally get to this point, man, it felt good, man. It felt good. It's got to feel great. All right, so they go on a 75-yard TD drive on their first possession, but then on that second possession, you came up with that pick six that completely mm-hmm. changed the game. You know, if you don't mind, let's dig into that play for a minute. Take me through what you were reading off of Case Keenum, and then what goes through your mind when you see that ball in the air? We were in a six coverage, um, and I have the quarter flats. You know, so if a guy wants to go to the flats, I would have him. You know, but he came up the field a little bit more. And then he tried to rub off and go to the flat, you know. And then I just slipped under him. As soon as I looked back at the quarterback, I saw the ball in the air, you know. And I, I was thinking, this is an easy pick, and i got to take this to the house. So, you know, I'm running down the field. You know, I see my guys blocking for me, you know. And then I cut back, and I was like, i got to score right here. You know, and I just kept going and, you know, scored. <clears throat> Changed the game for us. It did change the game for you. I was going to ask you about the return. You covered a lot of that. But from the moment the ball was in your hands, it seemed like you had that one goal in mind. I got to house this thing. I mean, you were pointing out blocks like a boss. What do you remember then about the return itself? Uh, Really just trying not to get tackled, you know. You know, trying to find a way to get to the end zone. And, you know, as you've seen on on TV, you know, I was really trying to point those guys out, get him, get him, so I get to the end zone. I was really pointing them out. So, yeah, I was really trying to get in there. You did. Patrick Robinson joining us. You know, the defense kept getting after Case Keenum. And then on the other side of the ball, you had Nick Foles, who was just lighting mm-hmm. it up against a very good Vikings defense. So what yes, did you think was. as you watched Foles dominate the way he did? Uh, no. You know, in my opinion, that just Foles being Foles. You know, being the same guy he's been all year. You know, when he finally got his chance, you know, he did what he did. You know, but it's not a surprise to us. We already knew what he can do. Hey Patrick, do you think seeing, knowing him and saying that he's done that all year long and then he went out and did it, can you see him doing that again? And do you think you might need him to do that again to win the game against his Patriots? Uh, we're definitely going to need him to do that again. You know, and we expect that. You know, we expect nothing less you know, from our team, actually, you know, to keep doing what we've been doing all year. You know, and that's play fast, play sound football. So, you know. Now we go to the Super Bowl, nothing's going to change, you know, as far as how we play. You know, it's just another football game, really. Philadelphia is Patrick Robinson joining us. Another football game, man. Biggest football game in the world. Now, you signed with them as a free agent in the offseason. So what was it about Philadelphia that appealed to you so much? And did you know how good that team could be when you signed on? Um, I really didn't know how good we could be, you know, when I first signed. But, um... Yeah, but the main reason why I came here was Malcolm Jenkins. You know, I played with him in New Orleans, you know, so I already knew how the locker room was going to be, how the DB room would be, you know, and I was like, you know, if I'm trying to get back on track, you know, trying to go somewhere where I feel comfortable, you know, I know someone who's going to have good character around him. 
You know, so. it's it's a secondary that's really talented, and as you point out, a secondary it's got a lot of character and a lot of heart. You know, I've spoken to a number of the guys in your group over the past year or so, guys like Malcolm Jenkins, Jalen Mills. So, how would you describe the bonds and the attitude of the guys in that secondary? Uh, man, we're close. We're close. We got so many different personalities, you know, and all those young guys are just energetic and fun to be around. You know, that just contagious on all of us. Then when Malcolm Jenkins being the guy who he is, I mean, that's just a great recipe, you know, for success in our room. And I think, you know, that definitely played a big part for the season. You know, it's still early. You've got two full weeks to get ready for it. But at mm-hmm. this early stage, what kind of thoughts do you have when you think about going up against Tom Brady and that Patriots offense? Well, it's an honor to face him, you know, first and foremost, I think. Um, I definitely think it's going to be tough. But if we just keep doing what we've been doing all year and play our game, I think we have a good shot of winning it. You, know, you mentioned the Saints. i got to ask you this. You got to the postseason early in your career with the Saints, but it's been yeah. a minute or so since you got back. What's that journey been like for you, and what's it like to be in the playoffs, headed to the Super Bowl, and to do it in a town like Philly? Uh, well, that journey was, you know, it was rough for me. You know, I definitely learned a lot. And, um, you know, to come here and have the success that I've had uh, is, you know, it's, man, it's a great feeling. You know, to go on that journey, go on that road, you know, with ups and downs, you know, a lot of disappointment. And then I had some some success in San Diego. But, you know, just to be on that journey and then to be here right now, fans for Philly with this, you know, this great fan base, you know, being in the Super Bowl, it's a, a really great feeling. You know, I can't, I mean, I can't even <laughs> describe how it feels right now. Let's go to Mark in Hollywood. When you've got this guy's game, you go right to the front of the line. Mark, what's up? Good morning. Yeah, man, I'm pretty banged up. The Eagles fans were out yesterday and uh, just had a, a great time. And uh, the Eagles bar that we have here in Hollywood was just lit. And uh, I just wanted to come in real quick and say, you know, for all the people that doubted us and, you know, for everyone that thinks we're the underdog and for everyone that thinks that we wouldn't be here, tell me how my ass Yeah, I won't be racking that call. All right, to the phones. <laughs> Let's go to Matt in L.A. Matt, good morning. What's up, bro? I am concerned, man. As an American Mexican, I encounter this thing constantly. Let me tell you something. You're going to want to send one of these XR4TI guys out to, like, your local Vons. Get a cantaloupe or a melon type of uh, fruit refrigerated with the milk, bro, because, hey, and let me tell you advice, too. Just down it. Grab it, like, take one bite and to the head, bro, because if not, you are going to be calling in sick tomorrow and we don't need more talk soccer. We love Dave Denholm, but, hey, man, we get enough of him in the season. Dude, so, uh, dude, 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 Matt, 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 you were scaring the hell out of me. For real? Like, I could, I could take a sick day over this thing? Hey, dude, if it's, if it's one of those potent ones, brother, remember, you make your living with your voice. Hey, those things are not larynx-friendly, my friend. Wow, Matt in L.A., rack him. Matt, that might be the best call you've ever made to this program. Dude, no lie, he, he is scaring the hell out of me. Let's do it. Let's go to Indiana. Don in Indiana. 
Hey, Don, how are you? What's up? Hey, don't do it. Oh, man. Don, how bad is it going to be? It's going to roast you. (laughs) Hey, what I'm looking for, Don, do you have any advice? I mean, I have to do it. This is what I signed up for. I can't get out of this thing. So if I have to do it, what's the best way to do it? All right. So he already hung up. He's like, just don't do it, Rome. Just don't do it. Let's go to Tucson, Arizona. John. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good, Rome. Hey, um, you're probably going to think I'm crazy as hell, but my great-grandmother gave me advice on peppers one time. She said when you eat any kind of hot pepper, you want to rinse your mouth out after that with warm water to open up the pores of your mouth. To uh, Otherwise, any kind, anything cold milk or anything seals the pores and keeps the heat in. And I tried it. worked for me. Wow. Thanks, John. Thanks for nothing. That's not helping me at all. Hey, John. I mean, like, I... I tend to buy what he just said. This thing is so much more damaging slash challenging than I thought that it was going to be. Tom Haberstrow is my guest. Tom, my man, good morning. How are you? I am good. How are you? Tom, I'm great. I'm great. I can't lie to you. I'm really glad that you're on. We've got a lot of things to cover, but I'm not going to lie to you, my man. I am terrified. I I didn't really know what I had signed up for or what I was getting into, but all my listeners are letting me know, and none of it's good. Tell me it's going to be all right. Uh, I can't guarantee that. Yeah, I figured. can't guarantee that, Jim. I'm sorry. I figured. But in all seriousness, the drool effect is very real, but I would say that it's not exclusive just to your mouth, your nose, and your eyeballs are going to probably drool a little bit too. Uh, that, that for me particularly, I needed a Kleenex nearby because there's a lot of uh, crying going on, um, not just from sadness about what's going on in your body, but just the reaction itself, to, you, you kind of just start sneezing and, and, and drooling out your eyeballs. So definitely have some like tissues or a towel uh, maybe a bath towel nearby. You might need it for the sweat, too. Awesome. All right, fellas. Maybe you can all help me out with that. Tom, I was going to talk basketball with you, but why don't we just get right into this? You know, much more importantly, all of this, going back in October, your mother Patty was diagnosed with ALS, and I can't even begin to imagine what it was like to hear that news. How did Patty and you and the rest of the family react when you were told that? Well, Jim, uh, ALS is really a, a hor- horrible disease. Uh, also, I mean, Let's just get the facts out there right now. Uh, there needs to be widespread. It is so. It's it's just devastating. And the two, as soon as you get diagnosed, you know, most people uh, survive for between two to five years. Uh, most people uh, on the onset of diagnosis, uh, it's two to five years, and ten percent live longer than ten years. So it's a really harsh disease, a quick disease, which makes it really hard to diagnose. Um, you you. My mother, especially, she had a few months of symptoms before we ruled everything out. There's not a single diagnostic test that can tell you you have ALS. So for a lot of people living with ALS, they, they have these symptoms, weakness in their hands or feet, uh, twitching, slurring of words, and it takes a while for doctors to actually um, diagnose it officially, and that's what happened with my mother. So our family, uh, I have two older brothers, a twin sister, my father, uh, we all just kind of rallied around her and gave her support every step of the way. But when the official diagnosis came in from the doctors at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut, we just, we kind of, I think a lot of us had already 
gotten to the point where we know we knew that something was wrong and we were hoping it wasn't ALS, but we were also rallying around her uh, to make sure that if she did, in fact, have ALS, we were going to be with her every step of the way. Tom Haverstro joining us. Now, Tom, you've made the point and Patty's made the point as well that ALS is not an incurable disease. It's underfunded. Lay that out for me. What do you mean by that? So uh, if you have cancer, uh, you can go and get chemotherapy in some cases. Uh, my sister actually was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma a couple years ago. My mom supported her throughout that. Um, but my sister, thankfully, uh, underwent chemotherapy and is now in remission. However, for ALS, there is no effective treatment. There are a couple drugs out right now that for some people can slow the progression down by as much as 30%. But that is not a cure. That is not something that you can go in remission for. So this is why my family decided to do the Pepper Challenge is because we need money. We need donations. Not we as in our family. Of course, that would be great. But really, we're interested in the greater ALS community finding a cure, finding a therapy like chemotherapy for ALS because there are 30,000 people in America that have this disease every 90 minutes. There is a new diagnosis of ALS, um, as, as you know, Lou Gehrig's disease, it is ALS, and this is something that I think people know about, but they don't know how hard it is to treat, and right now we're trying to do our best by eating peppers, videotaping it, and posting it on social media for um, to raise funds through ALS Therapy Development Institute in Cambridge, Massachusetts. All right, Tom, we have a few more moments before I do this, but when you first launched the ALS Pepper Challenge, did you ever anticipate that it would take off the way it has? As an example, when you first started, what was the goal, and then how far along are you now? So my family and I just threw out a huge number. We were like, why don't we just do like $50,000 in 90 days? And we never thought we'd get there. It was just kind of one of those pie-in-the-sky things, like maybe it'll catch on and we'll, we'll get to $50,000 eventually, maybe a year. But right now we're about $42,000 raised in less than 30 days. We started this on Christmas, and it's already gotten on air where – uh, inside the NBA on TNT, Charles Barkley did it, Eric Spolstra did it, um, Shaq did it, uh, David Fisdale, the former coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, did it on air before a Miami Heat game. Uh, over hun- like hundreds of people have done this challenge, so it's really remarkable how quickly this has spread, and I'm so, so, so thankful that you're able to participate in this. It's a lot of fun. I've done it four times already, and, uh, and I- I'll do this a thousand more times if it means my mother and others living with ALS will have a cure. You bet. You bet, Tom. I was going to say, you haven't done it just once. You've done it multiple times already. So you've done it four times. What kind of peppers have you done it with? All right, so I've done a habanero twice. On the Christmas Day video that my family posted uh, on Facebook, me and my brothers and my father did habaneros. My mother and my sister did jalapenos. Habaneros are multiple times hotter than a jalapeno. I've done a serrano over this weekend. My friends and I, we... uh, we did the pepper challenge. Serrano is in between a jalapeno and a habanero. Habanero is no joke. Uh, the one that's in front of you, I believe, it's orange, which means it's ripe, which means, in my experience, it'll hit you for at least 20 minutes before it actually stops hurting. Um, and I don't want to get too graphic here, but let's just say the pain doesn't end after that two minutes. I'll just leave it at that. That sounds awesome. Hey, Tom, let me ask you, did you, did you, look, I want to do this the right way, and I want to be that guy, but I'm kind of terrified to be that guy. Did you eat the entire thing? Did you bite into it? Is there a strategy here? 
Um, I, I, the first time I did it, I ate half of it. And then my brother through peer pressure made me do the whole thing. Um, and that's what brothers are for to make you, uh, even, even more pain. So I, I actually did the whole habanero, um, both times, but you can just take a bite. I'm sure it'll be just as effective by just taking a bite. So don't worry about doing the whole thing or a half thing. Uh, just as long as you get a taste of it, I think you'll be straight. Good. Excellent. All right. So if folks want to contribute and they want to participate, what is the best way for them to do so? So they can go uh, onto my Twitter feed. I have a link there. Follow the hashtag ALS Pepper Challenge. Uh, they can donate through our campaign at bit.ly, bit.ly, slash ALS Pepper. Um, or they can go to ALS.net and just donate to ALS TDI, a great group in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, and most importantly, have fun with this. This is a lot of fun, even though it's going to hurt a little bit. It's been amazing to watch all these videos. Tom, congratulations. It is That is a great, great outfit, and this is a great cause for you to be a part of. The creator of the ALS Pepper Challenge. Tom, thank you very much. It is time for me now to take the challenge myself. Great to have you on, and we'll be in touch for sure. Thanks, Jim. Godspeed and good luck. You too, Tom. You too. To you and your family. It is now time for me to take the ALS Pepper Challenge. Now, again, Jason Whitlock had been called out by Charles Barkley, and then my man Whitlock has now since called me out. I got a Wendy's Frosty here <laughs> that I'm going to dip my hot pepper oh, man, into. come on. That's uh, cheating, right? No, it's not. You can... Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Wow. <laughs> Is it hot? No, but the Frosty makes it. That's what I'm saying. You cheated. A Frosty? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Frosty's like bacon. Makes everything better. <laughs> All right, listen. I would normally challenge... My boys, Mike and Tony, but I'm going to go with my day one. Would you explain to him what a day one is, why? Jim Rome. Jim Rome's been great to me. Jim, I'm challenging you to the ALS Hot Pepper Challenge. You've launched a television show for your radio show. Good luck. Do it with a frost. My man, Jason Whitlock. Jason, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate that challenge. I accept that challenge. This is a habanero. It is orange. It is the second baddest pepper ever. And as Tom just pointed out, orange means it's ripe, and if it's ripe, it's hot. There is a very good chance that I might not be able to speak afterwards, so let me nominate four people right now. I am challenging Dana White, Gary Vaynerchuk, Kevin Frazier, and Nancy O'Dell for whom I know this cause has an incredible special meaning and who has been a relentless ALS ambassador for years. I'm getting right to that point. Everybody has said, Rome, don't do it. You're not coming to work. I've heard everything. My man Tom says, just have some fun with it. It's going to be fine. Here goes nothing. Dana, Gary, Kevin, Nancy, after I do this, you all are up. Hawk, you look terrified. You know why, Hawk? Because you know it's on you. You brought the habanero. Delicious. May I have another? That wasn't so bad. Not bad at all. (laughs) Cheers, y'all. Uh-oh. Eat it, Hud. Eat it, Hud. I had no idea this bad boy would be so hard to get off of. Check this. There's my foil. Hey, is that all there is? Let's do it again. Yeah, right. 
everybody who's watching this or hearing this, you want to get involved, make a donation to ALSTDI, hashtag ALS Pepper Challenge. Let's spread the word. Let's find a cure. Let's do this together. That thing is hot, yo. That is hot. I am on fire. Yo. Yo, that's hot. Jim Rome burning again. Burning. Milk was going to help that? Milk was going to help that. Literally, my esophagus is on fire. Burning. That is hot, yo. My thanks to everybody involved. Tom Haberstroh. Tom, thank you very much. Great job. Jason LaConfora. Patrick Robinson. The XR4TI. Hawk, you idiot. That thing is hot. It's lit. It's lit. You see my eyes tearing right now? That's a real deal. All right. See you tomorrow. Allegedly. I'm out of here. Have a great day. We're out. There you go, clones. What a start to a big week and a huge Tuesday coming up. Ep 21 of the Jim Rome Podcast with former Duke star and ESPN analyst Jay Williams. You're going to want to hear that one. Trust me. See you tomorrow. I'm out. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive. Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.